There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sheila Shoiga, and welcome to Ready to Be Real Conversations, the podcast series where I chat to people of all walks of life, some names you'll recognize, others you might not. But my hope is that these conversations will at times inspire, challenge, educate, comfort or simply entertain you. I recently sat down with married couple Miriam and Jerry Hussey. Jerry is a performance psychologist who's worked the range of clients from professional athletes and Olympic champions to business leaders. Miriam is a qualified pharmacist, a yoga instructor and an integrated health, wellness and nutritional coach. Together and individually, they run retreats and seminars here in Ireland and internationally. They also run a well-being event called Soul Space and it's going from strength to strength with Jerry running a series of one-day workshops called Soul Sundays. It is tough because the human condition is tough and from the moment we've been put on the planet, it's dark and light. And if we think we can walk in a constant state of light, that's unnatural because the very essence of a day is dark and light. I met them both for the first time about two and a half years ago when we were involved in a wellness event together and I liked them both instantly. During this conversation, we talk about how powerful our minds are and how there isn't a one-size-fits-all in dealing with trauma and grief. I personally found it both thought-provoking and comforting, and I hope you will as well. So setting up this interview, it was Miriam that I was in touch with, and as always, so genuine and accommodating. And, you know... I don't know, there's always a sense of calm with you and um, going with the flow and 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 wanting to help, you know, and you've both been very accommodating about being here with us today. And I'm so thankful. Um, but I remember as well how excited stroke sprinkling of nerves you were ahead of Jerry's incredible challenge of rowing the Irish Sea. Mm-hmm. But am I right in thinking this was just something that you decide like you 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 don't come from a long line of rowers, or it wasn't something you grew up doing. Mm-hmm. When so t- to the person listening who hasn't heard about any of this before, tell us what what you did, but tell us when you started to train or decide to do this. Yeah, so clients come to me, and you know it might be people that want to you know high performers in sport and business, and they want to stay at that level, or it might be people that come with trauma they want to release. So as Miriam said, everything we believe in is mind, body, spirit. So people come to me and they want some life coaching or psychology. And the first thing I'll say is, right, we're training in the morning in the gym. So I have a bunch of great clients who we do two to three gym sessions a week. We do yoga and meditation once a week with Miriam. We manage our diet. Uh, They meet with me for a half day once a month. So when Miriam said it takes a long time to get liberated, then the work begins. And Joe Dispenza says the key to everything is to work every single day. So I have an incredible bunch of committed clients who push me and challenge me. And and I'm learning, growing, developing through them. So as part of that, then what we do is we set challenges. So sometimes earlier this year we had two uh, boxing. 
So I told them they're going to be white collar shows, but then I decided they were developing so fast. So we do visualization and we develop the mind, we develop the body, we develop the spirit. I said, these guys. So I actually ended up putting them in against real boxers. And some of them had never boxed in their life. Right. And after 10 to 12 weeks, they were boxing against real fighters. And how did um, they fare? Perfect. No problem. Really well. Wow. Really, yeah. really well. Yeah. So then after that, <laughs> Love it. Now I was saying, I'd like to vary this up. And then this guy that um, he's a performance coach, his own right. And he's a great guy, a very good friend of mine, Paul Gleason. And Paul has rode the Atlantic. Yeah. So he was on the white card. He was on the show boxing and he's he was in the gym with us this morning. He loves it. And I said, oh, what else could we do? And he said he was at a Soul Space event that we ran on the 21st of December. And we're asking people to remember what it was that brought their spirit alive, what it was that makes them shine, that they might have let go out of their life. And Paul realized that being on the water was something he loved and it had just came, went out of his life. So he said, I had this idea, your soul sports event, that I would row the Irish Sea and I'd get a crew to come with me. And I said, could that be us? So he kind of starts laughing. He says, well, I think it could. And Paul's as open-minded as I am. Mm. So we had nine weeks from a bunch of lunatics that had never <laughs> sat in a rowboat in our life. The first time I went down, I kept putting the oar in backwards. And the coach stopped the boat at one stage and said, is there something wrong with your brain? What <laughs> is wrong? So we had nine weeks. I mean, when I said we I love it saying basics, that to you of all people. <laughs> I, I, just, I just couldn't figure it out. We couldn't get the boat out of the harbour. And we, we said, nine weeks, we're going to do this. But when your mind and your body and your spirit is connected to one thing, when you have a why, so we decided we're going to raise money for the Laurel Lynn charity, which is an incredible charity. It's so special, yeah. And when I kind of thought of the work that they do and the struggles and fights that some people are going through, I said, you know what? I'm fit, I'm strong. This is easy. And I just made the decision, this is going to be easy and I'm going to do it. And I just went into the clients. I said, I have a new challenge. In nine weeks time, we're going to row the Irish Sea. But they're so used to me springing stuff on them. I have to say, they just said, fine. <laughs> and then we went down to the, the coach and the poor coach nearly had a heart attack. Because he was saying, who are these? And afterwards, after around the third training session, he sent a message into the WhatsApp group saying, don't panic, don't be under pressure. If we don't row the Irish Sea, we can do a long coastal row around Ireland. And and Dave Kennedy, one of my clients, came straight back and said, we've signed up to row the Irish Sea, we're rowing the Irish Sea. And we just made that decision. And we started finding more space to do more rowing sessions, using visualizations, using self-talk. I used to be walking around the house saying to me, I'm such a powerful rower. <laughs> I, I, but I had to convince of myself. Of course you did, yeah. I used to be sitting on, on a chair with a broomstick, visualizing, visual, I said, I'm going to row. I walked into the sitting room one day and he was sitting on the chair pretending to be in a boat rowing. <laughs> I just said, he's lost it now. What, what's going on? <laughs> but sometimes you just have to make a decision. And for me, it's the why. So I say to people, I, I, it's a thing I ask I put, when I'm doing a, a talk for a group of people, I put a chair in front and I, I put five 25 kg weights on it so there's 125 kgs on it yeah so i asked some questions i said to people hands up who goes to the gym every day people kind of shake their head hands up who lifts weights every day so i'm priming their subconscious mind so life goes in the direction of stories you tell yourself mm. and then i said hands up here who thinks they could come up here and lift it so people go back to the questions do i go to the gym no do i go lift weights every day no do i want to go up there and make a show of myself in front of people no so the answer is no and then I said, right now, you're after giving me an answer based on your truth that you think is true. But without changing anything, I'm going to change everything. So I say, I want you to imagine your three-year-old child is trapped underneath that chair. They're suffocating. There's nobody else in this building. And the only way you can save them is to lift that chair three inches and hold it for five seconds. Hands up now if you think you'd lift it. And every hand goes up mm -hmm. because now there's a different why. Absolutely. There is a why that connects mind, body and spirit where you as a human being becomes aligned. Your spirit is activated, which is this electromagnetic field all around you. And when you can connect that to a purpose that's bigger than you, you move from this subconscious mind, which is the subconscious local field of consciousness into what we call the unified field of consciousness, which is the unified field of energy that is radiating 
throughout the universe all the time. And what I say to my clients, if you think that the energy in this universe can move tides, it can move planets, that power is readily available to any one of us at all time. But you switch from local conscious field into this non-local unified consciousness and you can access any amount of power you want. Uh, this is really powerful and it's something that I, I mean, I've read stories about. I think I read a story once about a mother being able to lift a car. Of course. Mm. It, it, of to course. save her child. And it is the, it's, it's the impossibility mm. of of her size, her strength, yet she was able to do it. She was able to draw on that energy and that power. I was even saying to Miriam last night, there's parts of that road that I can't even remember because I wasn't even in the boat. I wasn't even thinking about it. I yeah. was thinking about Oscar, a dog that we lost the week before. Mm. I was thinking about different stuff going on. Physically, I was in the boat. My, my, at that stage, my body knew how to roll. So get out of the way. Stop judging. Get your mind out of the body. Put your mind into this unified field. And we got off in the pier in Arklow after around 60 miles. And it was like, that was easy. Wow. And the first question the team was asking was, what's next? Because that was easy. So so obviously it was very weather dependent as well, because I knew that there was, the, you were kind of, are we, is this going to happen? Is it not? And, you know, when you're training, do you train for Mother Nature and, and all that, that can, you that can to, happen? You have to train and, 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 and safety is paramount in everything. So and no obviously all of you are good swimmers. Risk. No, we can't swim. Well, okay. sailor, wow. sailors, will, sailors will tell you swimming is a waste of time. It just prolongs the death when you're at sea. So now the amazing thing is the unified field when you, when you visualize it. We were meant to do it a week beforehand. But a number of weeks before that I had said to another client of mine, we will do it on the 23rd of August. The weather will be beautiful. We will row in blue skies and we'll have a flat camp sea. And that is exactly what we had. Because me and all my clients refused to say, speak or think about anything else. We created the conditions that we wanted. Your life goes in the direction of stories you tell yourself. And people, now my clients are beginning to say, well, people say, God, that was amazing. It happened exactly as you predicted. And all my clients are saying, not really, no, because that's... <laughs> Most people, we think about what we don't want to happen. We yeah. think about the traffic, the work, and we're constantly thinking, talking, analyzing, and putting our energy into the stuff we don't want. What we know from quantum physics is when you put your energy into something, it can't be deconstructed. Energy can't be destroyed. We are creating the, the future. Everybody knows that, but we just don't commit to it. I said we will do it on the 23rd. I don't know why the 23rd, but I could feel it in my heart. I said we will do it blue skies and a flat cam, say, and I got to make sure all my clients were saying that, believing it, seeing it. And it's exactly as it happened. It's the power of visualization as well. And it's the power of belief as well. It comes back to what we were saying either earlier. You know, if you what you, do you believe to be true about yourself and what do you believe to be true about the world? Mm. And um, it's amazing how life is how life happens according to what we believe. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm just Without making assumptions, I'm I'm wondering about the person listening to us now, whether they're completely absorbing this as, yeah, I get that. I, I absolutely resonate with that. And somebody else who's maybe going, not so sure now if I buy into that or is slightly more cynical. From my perspective, it's a completely different thing. But I suppose prior to me really actively uh, activating the power of affirmations, I would have been slightly more cynical and going, I wonder, but I, do you know what? I'm going to give it a go. Mm -hmm. And it was when I was pregnant. If somebody told me at the beginning of my pregnancy, fast forward to the day you go into labor mm -hmm. and you're going to have a natural birth and you're not going to ask, not alone are you not going to have drugs, you're not going to even going to ask for them. I would have thought they were mad mm -hmm. because I'm not a hero. Mm -hmm. If I get a headache, if, if by guzzling water doesn't work, I have, I, I, I will take, I will take paracetamol, okay? I'm that person. Um, so anyway, I decided to really focus on it. So I, I've spoken about this at different talks I've done and I think if people visited me while I was kind of in the middle or the latter part of my pregnancy, they might have thought I was going a bit mad because the whole house was covered in coloured post-its with affirmations written everywhere. So when I woke up in the morning on the chest of drawers in front of me, I was like, I trust my body. I can do this. I release. I surrender. I let go. Brilliant. You know, my baby and I are the best team. All of this everywhere. I went when I sat in the loo instead of scrolling the phone <laughs> at Instagram, which don't lie, we all do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not everybody, but like <laughs> a few of us. I was looking again at affirmations in front of me on the sink 
in the kitchen, everywhere. And, you know, I just I was feeding my mind mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. this truth. I can do this. So my due date was the 1st of August. And I, you know, everyone says on your first year, you'll probably go over anyway. My waters broke on the 1st and he was born in the early hours of the 2nd of August. Yeah. But that's the most surprising thing was we had a code word because I'm I, I'm I'm a lover of food. Right. But there's one food that I'm not nuts about and they are radishes. So I knew the key word was if I couldn't tolerate it anymore, I would say I want a ra- radish sandwich because apparently it's a given <laughs> for the majority of women in labour. You're going to ask for drugs, whether you really want them or not, you're going to ask for them. Yeah. So I knew that wasn't good enough. So we'd worked out this plan and this was going to be my phrase that I was going to say. It never came to that. I never asked. Of course. Mm-hmm. Now. Am I saying it was easy? It wasn't. It was the most challenging physically, mentally, emotionally um, experience of my life. But it was also the most empowering, the most incredible one I will never, ever want to change a millisecond of um, because it was it, it, it made me feel like superwoman. Mm-hmm. And I knew that it was yes, I was doing the yoga and I was doing the asanas and I, w- I was I was doing what I could. But it was so much more for me about training the mind. And if ever I needed proof in my life, this stuff works. Mm -hmm. It works. Mm -hmm. You put it out there. You really, really focus on it. You believe Mm -hmm. in it. Your body will follow. It's amazing. And I'm very fortunate. Everything was in the right way. You know, I mean, he was in the right position. So I'm not dis... And this is not... And I know I always feel when I speak about this, I have to be very mindful that every every pregnant woman's journey to birthing their child is, is unique. And that's not saying, because uh, I was completely open to the idea that whatever way Cahal was meant to enter this world, I was okay with. I was, mm-hmm. you know, if that meant an emergency C-section, as long as he was safe and I was okay, that's all that mattered. So I was open to to it all. But I do think that um, doing that work really, yeah. really mattered, you know, for me. Yeah. So that's why I really connect with what you're saying. And for me, you know, I'm still at the point where I do believe that there is a, a connection and a disconnection. So we are connected so that the things we say, the words we has an impact not just on our physical body, but on the on, on, on the world. So we are consciousness and we can affect consciousness. And also there's a disconnect because what I've also noticed is some of the most enlightened minds in the world, their body still ages. Mm. They still lose their hair. Yes. There is something that I can't understand yet, but there is still a disconnect. The body has its own abilities. So sometimes we get sick despite the greatest mindset. Sometimes we encounter traumas. Sometimes we have the birth that we didn't want. I'm not saying that by visualizing every day, using affirmations, I'm not saying that that will absolutely impact how everything happens. Because there's a disconnect. Some of the most enlightened minds I know their body still breaks down at some stage. Mm. They still lose people they love. Okay, so I'm. But what I'm saying is, at that stage, can you say you did everything you could? Now, most people, you say, you know, most county teams. What would you do to win all out? Oh, I do everything. Would you give up alcohol for twelve months? And most of them are incapable of doing that. So don't say you'll do everything then. What would you do to manifest your life? So I always say to somebody. Would you be willing to commit to the gym, to yoga, to meditation, to changing your diet? And if you haven't done everything in your power for at least 100 days, you haven't tried. Now, you can still do everything and the birth might not work out. Tragedy might be. I know that. And and I'm not saying that ultimately there is other forces at play in the universe. And I know that. But most people either put the work in but they don't sustain it long enough mm. or they put the work into the areas that they like so the guy that likes the gym goes to more gym but he doesn't take up yoga and meditation the person that loves yoga and meditation keeps doing more of that so what I always say more and more of the same isn't growth Yeah, it's not change mm-hmm. so we have to commit to changing our language our stories our vision and then commit to doing everything we can to manifest that it still may not manifest but you have greatly increased the chances. And at least then there is peace. So whatever unfolds after that, you have the peace to say, I did everything I could because the greatest hurt that we can live with is regret. Mm -hmm. And when you get to the end of your 900 months, the worst thing you could have is regret saying, I wonder could I, should I have, if I tried a little bit harder, if I'd love myself more, if I was more compassionate, 
And if we can start to free up a life where we're lim- consciously limiting the regrets that we have in life, there's nothing left. So in the absence of regret, there's only opportunity and challenge. And when you can turn your life into an opportunity and challenge, but it's about, am I actually committing in the right way for the right amount of time? Yeah, and I think, as, as you said, there's going to be opportunity and challenge in all our lives. And, you know, and you can prepare and you can do everything that you can as best as you can. But then there comes a time and space that we, I feel anyway, I believe that we have to surrender and that we have to somehow trust in the divine order in life and the divine timing of certain opportunities, challenges that come into our lives. Sometimes we might never know at that moment why this is happening. But I firmly believe that things happen for us as opposed to to us. Yes. And that they happen in order for us to either, you know, move on for something, let go of something, learn something about ourselves. Um, and, you know, that expression that, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And, and not to, you know, poo poo that, but in a in a, I suppose, real life manner is to know that we will face challenges and I think that by putting the work in, despite of the unexpected challenges in when you're in those difficult times, then hopefully you're more prepared to deal with them mm. and that you can face them with instead of kind of resisting and wishing that didn't happen and shaming and blaming. It's trying to almost just let go and, and that non attachment and that non striving, because the more we resist something that has happened or that is currently happening, is the more that we will suffer yes. and the more that we will end up in this kind of, you know, just, you know, repeated cycle of pain and suffering. Um, and it's not to say that you should never not feel the pain because healing it is to face it, to feel it, to heal it. You have to in order to get it through anything is or to get past anything is going through it. Yeah. Um, but it's trying to maybe let go of the way you wanted it or the way you expected it to be. And sometimes just trying to accept what is and knowing that maybe this is is happening to teach or to show me something or to show me another way. Yeah. When you're out the other side of a, of a difficult situation, it can be easier to hear those words mm-hmm. and to 100%. bring them in as truth. Mm-hmm. But when you're in it, it's tougher, isn't it? And, and we've all had that. And that, that's one of the, the reasons, one of the many reasons I wanted to speak to you both, um, because I, I, I had I lost a friend in the summer and um, I know you guys also went through loss. And when I remember when I saw on Instagram your beautiful posts about Oscar, your dog, that was your family. Um, and I loved how open you were and how you let us feel the love, but also clearly you could feel the pain that you were in as well. I thought that was beautiful and very um, comforting to others. And I suppose we all experience pain and difficulty and, and and varying degrees of trauma in our lives. And some people might be listening right now that are that are really in it. Um, and I, it's probably hard to to try and, and put it like a, a top five. This is how you do it, because mm. everybody's unique. Everybody's own pain and experience of pain or grief or trauma is so unique to them. Mm-hmm. And whether that you're grieving the end of a relationship or a job or something not going according to plan or losing somebody from who's left this life. Um, there are so many degrees of it. But it's something I really, really wanted to discuss mm-hmm. with you guys, because I think if anyone could hold the space. Mm-hmm. It's you, because I think you are, you know, you epitomize compassion and an understanding that it's not always, you know, um, sunshine and flowers mm-hmm. and life can be tough. Mm-hmm. It, it, it is tough because the human condition is tough from, from the moment we've been put on the planet. It's dark and light. And if we think we can walk in a constant state of light, that's unnatural because the very essence of a day is dark and light. So the human condition, unfortunately, we have to accept is dark and light and it doesn't make it any harder. And people talk about the grief model and people forget that the Kubler-Ross grief model was designed for people who were dying. Yes. Not for people that who have experienced loss. And we've said, oh, you're in the anger stage now. Oh, yeah, you're progressing on. Sometimes I throw that model out the window because that was designed for people that were dying. So the person who dies has to go through one cycle 
of where they have to try and make sense, make peace, and eventually get to a place of surrender. The person who has lost that person has to go through something completely different. And when we lose somebody in life, we don't just lose them. Because them could be mistakenly think, thought of as the physical being. Of course, we lose the physical being, but we lose that energetic connection that I spoke about. When you have a friend or a loved one, or in my case, poor Oscar the dog, and I don't for a second wish to compare losing. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A dog to losing a child or losing love, not for a second, because I know it's different. But it was lost for me. When you have a, a spiritual connection with somebody, romantically or fun, what happens is when they go, when their spirit moves, it takes some of your soul with them. Mm. And for the days after, I didn't have this beautiful soul in my house. There was some part of my soul missing and is still missing. And I think the thing with loss is. The challenge with loss is trying to get back what that person brought with them. When you love somebody, you have given them your soul. It becomes entwined. Your energy and their energy is the same energy. And when they move, part of your energy gets moved. And you feel like something is missing. You feel like there is a hole in my soul. Of course there is. What we have to try to do is get that soul back. And the first thing is, Mary mentioned it recently, in the last thing she mentioned about surrendering and I was with a, a corporate team yesterday and we got talking about love and compassion and forgiveness and people might think that's unusual for corporate teams to be talking about. It's highly bizarre that they wouldn't. But we had three guys from India and they we were talking about greeting and how we show affection and, and they had this beautiful thing where they stand up and touch an elder's feet and touch his shoes. So we were saying, well, why would we do So they said, we're not into this handshaking and hugging thing. What we do is if we meet an elder, we bow and we touch their feet. And what we're saying is, I bow in front of you and I wish to learn from the ground that you have treaded. And I think in life, we think power is, how do we overcome? We think it's through power, anger and aggression. How do we lead by being brilliant, being super? We lead by bowing. The greatest leaders from Mandela to Gandhi to Jesus Christ became so powerful because they bowed. But they bowed to kindness and sincerity and they bowed to honesty and they bowed to grief. Mm. So when you're going through pain, sometimes we can bow to anger. We can bow to now that what I thought was going to happen and the life I thought of, we can and I think in life, whatever pain we're going through or whatever challenge, and it mightn't be grief from tragedy, it might be the loss of, uh, it might be the loss of a job, it could be the relationship breakup, or it could be simply, uh, it could be, it could be many, many things. But in life, ask yourself all the time, 
what am I bowing to? And sometimes we bow to a vision of the future that we had created, but that was fiction. Sometimes we're bowing to ego. We're bowing to self-importance. I don't deserve this. I want it better. And for me in life, as Miriam said, in, in my hardest moments, and I've been not true, but even through my own mental health challenges, I thought I could beat it by being strong and powerful and drilling my way through it and running my way around it. The only way we can get through any pain is becoming gentle and soft and bowing to it mm -hmm. and saying, right now, I'm in pain and that's perfectly okay. And you can take your Kubler-Ross model, you can rip it up and throw it out the window because I'm not ready mm -hmm. to move. And I think in life, it's a lovely question at times to ask, what am I bowing to? When you bow to self-compassion, when you bow to love, when you bow to the understanding that with this person who has who left, they've brought part of my soul with them. And I need time to energetically manifest that part of my soul again. There is that hole in our soul. And what I've said in all of this interview is, Nothing is more powerful than our soul, than our spiritual energy field that surrounds us. And everything that's in that energy field impacts how we feel physically, impacts how we look. So when somebody takes something that's really important out of our spiritual field or our soul, it changes how people look. When you see somebody going through grief, they look different. They lose weight. It's like they're different, they age. But eventually when they begin to get their soul back, it's like the body starts to regenerate. So that's my advice. At times we need to bow in absolute vulnerability, in lack of understanding, and be okay with that. And realize that when we lose something or somebody, they have taken part of our soul with, with them. And it will take us quite a while to rebuild that, that energy field of that soul back again. Very quickly before I go to you, Miriam, just on the because you mentioned Elizabeth Kubler-Ross there, and that is something I haven't heard of before, because a lot of people kind of use that as a way of, of you know, examining grief yeah. and pain. So really, this is, you know, because some some of the quotes from it, I, I, I think are, are very beautiful. But hmm. actually, I, I think this is a really important conversation to have that. Do you think it can do damage to somebody if you're going uh, through I it? I think a model, human beings, models and programs work for machines, not for human beings. The amount of people come to me and say, yeah. oh, what, what, what coaching philosophy do you work with? And what, what coaching strategy? I say, what? I just sit down and have a cup of tea with someone and say, how are you doing? <laughs> I go into talks and how, how do you get in the zone? I, I don't. How do you plan the talk? Miriam will tell you, I've never planned a talk in my life. Yeah. The best I will do is I'll meditate before or I'll say a prayer. I will sit. And people who come to my talks will know I will sit in the room with the crowd and energetically connect with them. And I will know what it is they want to talk about. Yes. And I'll just have to try to have that conversation in the best that I can be at that moment. Yeah. I think we get caught up in models and mm. philosophies. And, and then the problem with that is someone is really angry after losing someone they love. And you're saying, oh, they're in the anger state now. And fine, in another few weeks now, I'll try and move you on. We have this need, we have this addiction to moving people on. So people start crying and I'll say to you, oh, it's okay now, you'll be okay in a few minutes. You won't be okay in a few minutes, you're okay now. Yeah. So the problem with a model is we're always trying to move somebody on. That's so powerful though, isn't it? Yeah. You're okay now, right now, Absolutely. wherever you're at. Yeah. You know, and whether that's coming out in anger or, or tears or whatever it is, you're okay. And letting somebody know they're safe mm. is so important and you're and, okay. And people talk about irrational fear. There is no such thing as irrational fear. Yeah. Because fear is fear. Fear is fear. Fear shows up. If you feel it, you feel it. Now, the thought that led to the fear might be irrational. But there is no irrational fear. So someone that's having a panic attack, many times it's irrational fear. But don't dare tell them that's irrational because it is true to their core as they experience that. And when we're true to ourselves, so even the other day, Mary said, how are you doing about Oscar? And I said, I'm distraught. Now, yeah. I'm maybe I could say, well, I'm meant to be the guy that has all the answers and I should be reading a few books and models. It'll come. He mm. took part of my soul. And I know that. And somehow, some way, I hope that soul will be rebuilt. But while it's not, I'm not going to pretend it is. And it's what we talked about earlier, dropping the mask. I have no interest in being anything other than true to 
who I am and how I feel at this moment. And it's, um, not, yeah. it's not to, um, you know, as Jerry said there earlier, I think it's important that people give themselves the time to grieve and give themselves the time to process in the way that's right for them, because we are all so different. And it's, you know, to try and be patient with that recovery phase and to know that there's no one way fits all. And whatever you're feeling, you're feeling and it has place because if you're feeling it, it's true in your heart. And to not try and judge that or compare that or have an expected outcome of, of by six months time, I should be feeling this, that and the other because we're all so, so different. And it's to have that support system around you, whether that's a friend, a family or somebody where you can just feel held. You can feel you can speak openly and honestly without feeling ridiculous or silly or having ridiculous thoughts that sometimes, you know, that people may have during these times. And it's having a person or people who will listen to you and you feel heard. I think that's the biggest part of the healing process that sometimes we don't value enough. Yeah. And and that somebody doesn't need to fix it. And it's something I felt since we've been talking, I suppose Jerry's probably done more talking so far here today, even though in conversations we've had in the past, I've had far more conversations with you, Miriam, and I know that you're very much on the same wavelength and you're it's like you're really holding space for Jerry. Mm. And even when he was talking there, I really got the sense that you didn't feel like you needed to comfort him or tell him, you're, you know, everything's going to be OK because you were just allowing him be. Mm. So you're holding that space of compassion. I think it's something that's really, really important. And I have felt myself um, when I've been in difficult situations. It's very much an Irish thing that we feel like we need to sympathise and say, oh, you poor crater, isn't it awful altogether? <laughs> but sure, look, at you'll be grand. Or, you know, I, I, I feel your pain, too. But we need to move away from the sympathy and even the empathy and move into just holding it yeah. and being OK with that person. Yeah. Whatever is going on for them, you know, and just let them be yeah. and, 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 and give them that safety. And not, that is the greatest gift, isn't it? It is. And not try and you said as fix it. Yeah. And I suppose not try and, and ch- change it and yeah. or distract, which I think is the biggest thing, especially in today's world. We often say we live, you know, this new new era of the disease of distraction where we're constantly distracted all of the time, whether mm. it's from the phone, social media, TV, whatever it is. We're constantly living our, our lives in other people's worlds and other people's opinions and other people's judgments that it takes us away from actually what's going on for me. And I think when you're going through a challenging time or a trauma as well, sometimes it can be an easy coping mechanism to try and distract ourselves and just stay busy and not think about it and brush it under the carpet. And if you need to do that initially, you need to do what you need to do. But I think if you can allow yourself, as I said earlier, the time and the space to let those, you know, and maybe be prepared for those difficult and volatile emotions that are there and that are in there that need to come out. And and if you have a space, safe space to let them come out in a healthy way, well, then that's going to help the healing process. Yeah. And also for the person listening who maybe is, you know, a friend of theirs or, you know, a family member is in pain and they're they're thinking, how do I help? How, what do I do? What do I do here? My little nugget of advice would be don't sympathize. Don't keep saying, you know, I'm so sorry what you're going through. Like They, they probably know that you're sorry, but it won't help them feel better yeah. by sympathising. In fact, I found from my personal experience, it only made me feel worse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The best, the best advice, or the best support I got was when I told one of my mates who knew how much I loved him. All he looked at me for a second and all he said was, ah, fuck. And it came from his heart. And I realized this guy gets it. Yeah. He has just verbalized what my heart has been saying for the last two weeks. Oh, fuck. And I could see it. He didn't say any more. Yeah. And he gave me a hug and he walked away. Now, people have spent a half an hour. Oh, you'd be fine. You should get another dog and this and that. And I'm like, you don't bloody get it. Yes. And I'm not ready to get another dog and I'm not ready. But sometimes you just be present. And what we have to do is 
instead of saying, well, how are you getting on, how are you coping, say, it must be shit, is it? And they'll say, actually, it is shit. Well, tell me about the shit then. It must be really hard. So sometimes we try to, we try to condition the conversation into one that we're comfortable having. Oh, yeah, and how are you getting on? Are you okay? You are. What? You've just said you're okay. You are. So you tell me I'm okay. Mm. So sometimes you have to say to someone, it must be shit. And it was amazing. He just said to me, he just looked at me and said, ah, fuck. Yeah. And I said, he gets it. Yeah. And I felt more of a connection and more of a healing because the fact that he knew how I felt made me feel, well, I mustn't be mad then. Because someone else can feel what I felt. And um, I think it's important to have those conversations as well with people and to keep the person alive. You know, I was just away with the friends recently who, who lost their dad. And, you know, that's the one thing they said. They said, you know, we love to talk about him. And, you know, often people feel they can't or they don't bring up the person because they f they're afraid they might trigger something in them. And they said, you know, and I know everybody is different possibly, but, um, you know, they've just said, we just love to talk about them and yeah. keep them alive and to remember them and not like just brush it under a carpet because um, he was a pivotal role in, in our lives and yeah. we don't ever want to forget that. And I do think as well, it's it's, it's people's awkwardness born out of goodness a lot of, of time. Course, they don't know, yeah. you know, yes. it's, it's a classic at the funeral going, what do I say here? Do you know? And, you know, the classic is I'm sorry for your loss. But sometimes, as you said, oftentimes I've been at a funeral and I've just looked into somebody's eyes and I haven't fucking said anything. Yeah. That's all I can do. And I, I, if, if, if it's if that's more, if that is more, if that is if more real and more honest and all I can do in that time to be real. Well, isn't that better than filling it, filling the space with, with words? Noise, yeah. yeah, that are not coming from the heart and you feel like you just have to say this. Yeah. And it is an awkwardness yeah. because people are maybe afraid of getting that connected. So, you know, your friend sounds like he he was very connected and he is very it. connected and he, he just got, got it. Yeah. But Miriam, you might you'll say you do better than me. But in terms of how we move it and, you know, emotion, energy, emotion and how we move it out, and the danger of what happens when we don't move it on. I, I could sit here and tell you, but Miriam actually speaks about it better. So but when yeah. we feel that sense of trauma, it, it drives a huge sense of emotion. So you might just mention. Yeah. Hmm. So energy is, you know, our emotion is emotion, energy in motion. And if we um, don't move that emotion out, so it's, it's a vibrate, it's an energy. So it, it needs to be moved. It needs to be released. It needs to be almost shaken out of the body. And that's what anxiety is as well. It's a pent up of unreleased emotion yes. often. Um, and it's the same with any emotion. But if we don't move that out, it can lodge or it can almost get trapped within our energy centers in the body and it can almost become stale, become stagnant. And over time, it will start to build as physical sensations in the body. So we all know if we are sitting at a desk or we're driving and we get tight shoulders and we feel tension and in the neck and the shoulders or if we're stressed, we can physically feel it. It's the same with emotions that we're feeling and suppressing and not releasing over over our lifetimes. Um, and these can, as I said earlier, build and become stuck or stagnant. And then what can happen is the cells or the cellular membrane pick up on this stagnation and we get blockages and we get physical manifestation of disease in the body. So to move emotion out is we can do it in many ways. So we can talk it out, you know, we can journal it by moving it out in that way. We move it out by physically exercising um, by stretching it out. So there's many ways that we can deconstruct the emotion and help to move it out of the body. And by doing that, it just helps that release. It's like you have a bottle of fizzy Coke and you, you know, you tighten the lid and you shake it and you get this fizz and it builds and builds. And that's what happens in challenging times. We get this almost fizz, this bubbling up of emotions. And if we keep locking the lid or sometimes we push stuff down, so we overeat, we turn to alcohol, we turn to things to try and suppress that emotion mm. to numb it so we don't feel it. And over time, that just starts to build and build and build until eventually the cap might just blow. We get, you know, we get a diagnosis or we just fly off the handle or there's a an outburst of something. So, you know, what I can just I, I often say to some of my clients is if we can just open the lid and just get that on a more regular basis in a healthy way, that that will help to unearth some of those emotions in a healthy way that you can cope with. That's not going to overwhelm you too much. 
and by lifestyle as medicine using you know movement using talk therapy using journaling using these different techniques to move these emotions out it will help us to recalibrate and create more natural energy within the body so it's not getting stuck and it's not getting stagnant Mm. so it's helping with the physical body but it's also helping with the mental and the emotional release of these emotions yeah and i suppose the timeline of in terms of pain trauma grief whatever whatever it is that you're connecting with, it's unique to all of us, to whatever we're going through ourselves. So it's not like, as you said already, oh, no, I'm in the anger phase and now it's going to move on. I'm sure I'll be over that before I know it. Yeah. Anger might rear its head different phases or, you know, that feeling of despondency might be there and just wanting to pull the duvet over your head, mm-hmm. but activating, moving. And I suppose to the person listening, knowing that whatever is going on for you and however you're feeling in the here and now is OK. Absolutely. And and bow, be vulnerable. Don't think that we have to be the strong type or, you know, people said the 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 male nowadays, you know, who had his role of the strong, silent type. And I, I said once, you know, if you're going to be a strong male, be strong enough to tell your wife or your husband or whoever that you need help. Be mm-hmm. strong enough to ask for help. Be strong enough to say to someone, I need a hug. And if you're going to be silent, silence your ego, and that's all. And I think we need to redefine what great leaders look like, what powerful people, the most powerful people, like I said, from Jesus to Gandhi, bowed, and they had no problem bowing, but they selected what they bowed to. Because we're bowing anyway. We're either bowing to ego, bowing to anger, bowing to judgment, bowing to striving, bowing to criticism. Or we're bowing to self-compassion, we're bowing to love, we're bowing to non-attachment, we're bowing to non-judgment. And when we bow to the right things, we don't need to fix, we don't need to change, we don't need to be different. And when we find something or somebody or some space in our life where we physically feel we can bow in that space or to that person, we have that then, that energetic connection. And sometimes our soul might be weary and we need somebody else to carry it for that part. And then at another time in our life, when we're strong, we'll carry their soul. I hate this idea of strong type, great driven, focused people. One of the most powerful human beings that have ever walked this planet have lived with absolute compassion and vulnerability and gentleness. And what we know is that compassion, vulnerability and gentleness beats everything else all the time. Yeah. And they're the qualities that are important to nurture in our kids, in schools, Mm. in our communities, with our friends. These are why these conversations are so important, I believe. So important. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the favorite, one of my favorite um, quotes is, you know, there's there's absolute strength in your softness. Mm. And, you know, that balance between effort and ease and just that graciousness and trying to live a life of more ease and grace as opposed to a life of more, you know, get up and go and strive. And, you know, uh, I think just sometimes if we strip it back more and let go more and stand into our own power in that soft, gentle way that we can actually move mountains as opposed to the other way, which we feel has to be all strength and aggression and um, ambition. Yeah. And if somebody's listening that feels that, you know, this is a beautiful conversation, but as far away from they are, as you already, both of you already said, there's always opportunity to change every moment of every day. Every new day is a chance to write, a, a, you know, a new future and to start again. So if you are listening to this and, and you, you want to take this on board, you can. It's possible. Absolutely. I think the first simple step is stop judging. So stop saying I shouldn't feel like this. Stop asking, why am I feeling so upset? Stop saying, why do I have anxiety? Why? A lot of people that suffer from anxiety and depression, and I know for myself because I've suffered in that capacity for many years. And the hardest part was I used to give out to myself because I have nothing to be angry. I have nothing to be depressed about. And the guilt I felt. And most people that I meet will tell you, the depression is actually, I can live with that. But it's the frustration. So... Enlightenment for me is nothing more than the non-resistance of what is. So on the day that I'm not strong, we'll be gentle then. 
On the day that I need to cry, cry with all your heart. On the day that you can laugh, laugh with all your heart. We have to, the human condition means that there will be time for everything. When you feel like crying, cry with all your heart. When you feel like laughing, laugh with all your heart. And for me, it's just stop judging, stop saying I should be, I couldn't be. The amount of people said to me before the sentence, now, Jerry, you're going to think I'm mad by saying this. Or you're going to think I'm soft by saying this. And I'd say, I think you're mad if you don't say it, because I can see it. Mm. The most powerful human beings I've met are the people that give themselves the time and space to be what and who they are at that moment. And it's a gift when you're in the company of those people. Yeah. Yeah, it really is, isn't it? Okay, brilliant, guys. Thank you both so much for your time you. and your honesty and just allowing us in. It's been a pleasure. Thank you Thanks so, so much. much. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that Ready to Be Real conversation. And if you'd like to attend any of Jerry's workshops, simply go to soulspace.ie. And if you'd like me to have a conversation with anyone in particular, please do get in touch on Twitter or Instagram. You'll find me at Sheila Shoiga. And if you liked what you heard, please do share it with a pal or rate, review or subscribe to this podcast. Thanks a million. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.